0: Welcome to The Real Forno Show, everyone, where our Minnesota Vikings are a whopping 9-2. and two. Look, things weren't necessarily the prettiest when you talk about Thursday night's game, but Thanksgiving isn't pretty. We all eat way too much and ha- have to take a nap in between meals. So it's, it's okay. There's a lot of good that came from Thursday's game and some stuff that really needs to improve. We're going to talk all about it, but the main focus of tonight is going to be on overcoming adversity. And that's exactly what Kevin O'Connell did. Welcome to The Real Forno Show.
1: Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Managing editor of the USA Today's Vikings Wire. Betting and college football analysis for the Fantasy Points website. Publisher of Substack Run and Shooter. Host of the good, the bad. And the Hungi on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast network, as well as a member of Climbing the Pocket.
0: I'm Tyler. He is Dave. He is Odie. And he just peed on my floor. We're going to have ourselves a wonderful <laughs> evening, ladies and gentlemen. Dave, how are you tonight? I'm doing good. It's Monday. Well, you know what? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Odie may have peed on my floor, but he did not pee on my pants. And... Uh, They are on the floor. So I'm going to take that as a massive win. Look, welcome to the Real Forno Show. We're going to talk a lot about our Minnesota Vikings. Um, They just beat their third consecutive AFC East opponent. They have a chance to beat their fourth here on Sunday. We're going to talk all about it. Dave, I got to ask you. You talked a lot about your pies on Thanksgiving. How'd they turn out?
1: Uh, The pie, singular, turned out very well. It was... uh, What was it, a berry? two, Two types of cherries. Blackberries and raspberries mixed together and made a a very cherry berry pie. It
0: was good. Oh, mail slice up to me. That sounds tremendous.
1: <laughs> Wanna welcome everybody that's joined us so far. Mary, Chuck, and Raymond. Good to see y'all in the comments.
0: Very good to see. Very good to see all of you. And we're gonna talk a lot about this Vikings team. If you have questions for us, please throw them in the comments. We will answer them as the show goes on. Dave, this was a very fun week of Vikings football, and fun is honestly a little subjective because, boy, was it stressful coming out of last Sunday. But it was a great opportunity for Kevin O'Connell, and we kind of talked about this after the Eagles loss. Mm -hmm. How are you going to deal with diversity? How are you going to handle it when you get punched in the mouth? Those are the questions that I really had for this team and quite frankly, Dave, I had them answered very, very impressed with Kevin O'Connell and how he got these guys on a short week against the best head coach in the history of football. Mm-hmm. He came out of this with flying colors. Were there issues? Yes. The Vikings were also using, like, they were without three of their top five corners. Cam Dansler, Caleb Evans. Andrew Booth Jr., who just had surgery today for a meniscus. We'll find out how long he's out. If I were the Vikings, based on all the knowledge I have, I would make sure he's out until next season because he's had a history of knee issues. He had a torn patella where it completely snapped in half. I would take the opportunity to just make sure he gets a chance to heal up because with meniscus injuries, we talked about this with Irv Smith, and we also talked about it with Adrian Peterson. They both had the full repair. Adrian Peterson's they didn't have a choice it was what we, it was called a bucket handle tear so basically you take a look at a bucket handle snap it in half that's what Adrian Peterson had his was really bad but if you you do this the trim where you just take take the torn part and just kind of scrape it off it's a quicker healing time but you're also lessening the cartilage that is in your knee and you can have exi- pre-existing issues I, I guess it's not pre-existing but once you have them they were pre-existing because you started the issue. And you can have knee issues down the road. So I would just give him the full repair. Make sure he's fully healthy. And it's not great that he had the ankle injury followed up with this injury. Look, it stinks. You don't want it. But at the end of the day, I don't, I'm not going to call him injury prone. I'm not going to say it's a bust of a pick. It's just annoying. And I think that's the perfect characterization here. It's just annoying and tedious. There's, It just kind of is what it is, and you have to deal with the consequences. I think he's going to be very good for us for a long time. But here we are.
1: Yeah, he's got to get it fixed. Uh, I've had a torn meniscus, still do. I never got mine repaired. I elected not to. But if the the tear comes off and then flaps over the top, It causes pain. um, If they just remove the the edge of it, whether it's the exterior or interior, uh, we don't know. But eventually, it's going to lead to knee issues when he's my age. Most likely, increased arthritis. That's what it's done to me. But that's part of getting older, and that's part of playing this game, because there's a lot of impact on your joints, and specifically the knees. So... If, if they're smart, they probably, he's, we probably won't see him till next season. Because if I remember correctly, if they do just the trim, it could be as early as three weeks, but hopefully they keep him out like the rest of the season. We don't need him. And we know that, according to Kevin O'Connell this week, Derisaw and Evans, Caleb Evans, are on schedule to be back by the weekend. They are working through their protocols. Hopefully they will be ready to play, and then the following week we will see Cameron Dancer come off of IR, and he will—he's already said he's ready right now, but he's got to wait this this week, um, and he'll be ready. So hopefully Andrew Booth has that time, gets healed properly, and will be very good for us next
0: season. Yeah, and honestly, like you're not drafting guys. For the rookie year look if they contribute to rookie year it's going to tell you one of two things one if they're Justin Jefferson hell yeah that's a tremendous haul or two if they're contributing a lot to rookie year it's like why are they contributing rookies are not supposed to be step in and play guys if you get that that's wonderful it's tremendous value it's great for the development of the player and the team but it's not necessarily something that you want because you're supposed to be able to have players in place that are that can play ahead of them. Now, when you look at like the Vikings, they drafted Louis Seen. Cam Bynum was the guy. And eventually you figure, okay, Louis Scene's gonna figure it out. He is going to get you to a point where you can feel comfortable putting him in. And I think it's 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 not necessarily fair to criticize rookies that aren't playing well or rookies that aren't playing at all. You know, and I know it, especially with Mike Zimmer, we had a tendency to really um, criticize Zimmer for not playing rookies. Well, at the end of the day, like most things, Zimmer was right. You you don't necessarily want to play rookies. You only want to play them if they're the better option. And quite frankly, we don't see what's going on in practice. We only see a few flashes here and there. Yeah. Hell, based on the flashes we saw in the Bills game, we would have anointed Duke Shelley cornerback one because of that play against like Dawson Knox. Like it's a small sample size. Players can be great in a small sample size, but. Can they be great consistently throughout the course of a game? That's what separates a guy like Patrick Peterson from a guy like Duke Shelley or Chris Boyd. And while they have their place, and Chris Boyd's a phenomenal special teamer, there's a reason why they're not starting a cornerback. You want to be careful with rookies. Plus, not everybody is, has the same mental strength. That's a really big thing. Peyton Manning threw the set a record for most interceptions thrown in a season in his rookie, his rookie year of rookie 1998. Year. He went 3-13. Now he's a Hall of Famer, and he's going to be first ballot, and he's, to some people, the greatest quarterback of all time. For most people, he's top five. For me, he's top ten. Like, you're talking about a guy who had the mental strength and capacity to understand, hey, I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. I'm just going to learn from all of them and be great because of it. Not everybody has that. Ryan Leaf, Christian Ponder, those guys couldn't deal with it. Those guys struggled when they threw interceptions. It was brutal. And that's, that's kind of what you're looking at. Not everybody can handle it, and, and that's okay. That is okay. Odie, can you stop biting my feet, please? Well, you can see it up in, uh
1: across the border. Mr. Love played decent in uh, relief. And some would say better than their starting quarterback, who looks to be out possibly for the rest of the season.
0: Sure, but there are reasons for it, right? They weren't game planning for Jordan Love. They were game planning for Aaron Rodgers, so mm-hmm. inherently, let's say Aaron Rodgers loves five concepts. We'll call them A, B, C, D, and E. Jordan Love also loves five concepts, but he loves A, C, F, G, and Q. Mm-hmm. You're 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 running even though you're using the same playbook, you're running different segments of plays because quarterbacks mm-hmm. have different strengths, they have different preferences. Some quarterbacks hate running certain concepts even though they're great at them. And the, like, there's a lot into it, and I'll tell you, you get you have a team game planning for Jordan Love, like the Chiefs game where he started because Aaron Rodgers was out with COVID nineteen. Look, you're, you're you're looking at a whole different ball game, Dave, and I think that needs to be taken into context.
1: Yeah, but what I'm, I'm not saying is it. Jordan Love Sunday was better than Jordan Love his rookie year, right? He's oh, had yeah. time to learn. And develop behind Rodgers. Now, whether he becomes a competent quarterback in this league or not, it's a whole different story. But mm-hmm. he has, since he's worked behind Rodgers, he has learned and become comfortable. That used to be the old way in the league, right? You draft a quarterback and he'd sit at least one year, right? Sometimes two or three. Yeah. And uh, before he got the chance to start, that's not the case now because you're looking for that quarterback under a rookie contract so you can build the rest of the team around him and uh, have your window that way. We have one consistent starting rookie and he's learning. He's obviously making us more mistakes than I want him to, but uh, he's got better. He had a better game against Patriots than he has in a long time. So, It's, you don't want to have to throw them in if you don't have to, but if you have to throw them in because they
0: earned it Mm -hmm. and that's what Ed Ingram did, Dave, he he earned that starting job. He earned his playing time
1: and he's obviously keeping it because they haven't replaced him.
0: Now he's made a lot of mistakes, but Mm -hmm. he's also made some really, really, really good plays. And I think that's get that gets lost a little bit, which I totally understand. You see the bat, oh, replace him, replace him, replace him. I get it. But when you put on the All-22, Dave, and you watch some of these blocks, it's pretty incredible some of the things he can do. He has a long way to go. But guys like Ezra Cleveland, Cleveland got to play through all that. Mm-hmm. And look at how, how good he has become. Mm-hmm. He had the one dud game, but great players have dud games. I'm not concerned about Cleveland having a dud against the Commanders. What I was concerned about is how is he going to respond? He responded in a big way the next few weeks and played very, very good football. Um, let's get to a couple questions here, Dave. Dan just asked, cause I'm going to get to Raymond's here in a second. But one last time we beat the Patriots was it was week two of 2000. Dante Culpepper beat Drew Bledsoe Tom Brady's rookie year. Wow. That I watched that game of, of over the summer, just because I like watching old Dante Culpepper games and look, that Patriots team was solid. They weren't great, but they were solid. And, you could obviously tell that Bill Belichick was trying to build something, and well, he did, and <laughs> the rest is history. Um, Raymond's question: Why is uh, Cousins clutch this year? I was at the game, and it just seems like um, he was playing the way he was playing, like nobody was going to beat him. Honestly, I th- I think it's all mental. Um, everything with Kirk Cousins and the issues that I've had with him have all been right here, and I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that uh, he had a coach that didn't like him. And we knew that played into it somewhat. And we talked about it, but we didn't know how much. And I hypothesized before the season, Raymond, and I'm sure you remember, that I was worried that you weren't going to see a major improvement from Kirk Cousins because the man was 34. And I know it's it's an old saying that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, you can't expect a quarterback to change his style of play after doing it for basically 20 years. Like I, I had real reservations about that. The way that his teammates have embraced him, the chains, the talk about getting him grills, he is, he's been immersed into the culture of the team and they have accepted that he's just a dorky dad. <laughs> he wears new balances. He shops at Patagonia and Kohl's. Like he is just a 34 year old dorky white dad. And they embrace who he is. And I think that's a huge thing into his success this year because he feels confident. His teammates know that they can believe in him. They show that they believe in him. And he is showing that he believes in himself. And it's it's showing on the field with some of these throws. Now, uh, there was a big Twitter thread this weekend where there was somebody arguing with me about the fact that, hey, no, he's been doing this all along. No, he hasn't. Sure, like his... Uh, average depth of target is down but you there's some things that numbers cannot show and even analytics guys will tell you that you have to watch what he's doing you have to watch hey he is threading the needle and he is throwing a confident football to make sure that justin jefferson a player that he trusts more than anything on this field will come down with that football he had, he had a couple of them in this game and um i wrote i did a long i did five film pieces yesterday for vikings wire and one of them was just Kirk Cousins throwing more aggressively and with anticipation. He hit uh, – Odie, can you f- stop, you dumb dog? You're coming up with me. Ugh, good boy. Everybody say hi to Odie. He's being oh, a little turkey butt.
1: Who's a good boy. Who's a good boy, Odie.
0: Yeah. Well, he's going to stay up here with me because he's, he's biting my feet. Um, he had – He, uh, on a fire blitz. So they played cover three back and three shallow. And he anticipates Jefferson on a dig route. Boom. Hits him easily. He might have panicked in that situation last year and tried to roll out because he saw the blitz. He was comfortable with who he was throwing to. He saw that the window was going to be there. He stood in, made the throw. He's developed a chemistry with TJ Hawkinson, Dave, that's been very impressive. He hit Hawkinson on a simple out route from the slot. So they had three guys on the right side of the field. Hawkinson was in the middle. So he was still the slot, but it's good to know like, like that positioning matters. So he's got Kyle Duggar one-on-one. Duggar's playing press coverage. Hawkinson, before he's even out of his break, Cousins starts his windup. And he hits him with perfect timing and precision. Because as you know, Dave, without routes, it can be incredibly frustrating if you throw that a little off or a little slow that DB is going to have an opportunity to go for six. Cousins hits it perfectly because he had the confidence and he knew exactly where Hawkinson was going to be. Now, the tough part about that is, Dave, sometimes you don't develop that chemistry for, like, a couple years because right. it takes so much timing and understanding of, like, how how the quarterback moves, how the receiver moves, and there's a chemistry there. They have that already, and it's very impressive. Unlike um,
1: in the you couple, show... In contrast, when he threw basically the same route to K.J. Osborne and the ball was a little bit behind him and K.J. had to turn around and rip the ball out from basically being intercepted, that you saw where the timing was just that fraction of a little bit off or where if K.J. was off on his route just a little bit, maybe he was a yard or two too far down the field from where Kirk expected it. Or, as Kirk says, now he took it on himself, says, I underthrew that ball. It's – but what he's doing with Hawkinson is amazing in the fact that he's only had him for a few games. And that is, to me, you didn't see that in previous seasons from Kirk Cousins.
0: No. And there were a couple other throws, and they were both – tight window throws now when some people hear tight window throws and and the discussion that was going on one side of the discussion thought a tight window throw meant a bad decision that's not that's not always true you can throw a tight window throw and it's a bad call but you can throw it be like oh all i have to do is there's a target i just have to hit the target and these nfl quarterbacks can do that so what does he do Justin Jefferson has, uh, has a, a route where he's going north-south. He's basically running a slot fade. So he's in the slot. He goes up about five yards and then breaks at like a 15 to 20-degree angle towards the sideline. There's two guys. The corner is on his outside and then a safety McCordy's on his inside. So basically Je- Jefferson's in the middle of these two guys, okay? And then they, they have a deep safety over the top. And what does he do? He sees that. Oh, the safety is going to run over. So I have to make sure, one, I layer it over the corners, and two, don't throw it too far because then the safety can come into play. So he lays it up about a yard short, perfectly for Jefferson. Jefferson makes the catch. That's a tight window throw. I don't think that's a bad decision. He knew exactly where the ball had to be, and he put it there. And I think, to me, that's the biggest difference. And understanding. And this is why you can have your stats. You can have your data. But the thing is, you have to pair them with the context of the tape. All of if you have everything, and that's what I was trying to explain. Everything paints the full picture, because you're not going to be able to just look at PFF grades, average depth of target, um, all those metrics, which are great. All that, yeah. Everything paint is is a different color to the portrait, but in order to be able to use the materials you have to have the film because the film is what it all generates from so you have to pair them you have to understand okay why was his average depth of target so low oh they just game planned a shorter passing game and it was great they didn't have to throw it deep because they didn't need to and people talk about oh average depth of target well the farther you throw the football down the field the more difficult the throw is therefore you're actually it's actually like a more challenging and more dangerous throw because there's more time to get under the ball. There's more things that can happen between you and the receiver. Like there's a lot of different context that goes into this stuff. And that's why I always say, look, look at the stats, then watch the tape because the tape is going to tell you something. Odie, are you bleeding? Oh, Oh, my dog is bleeding. Sweet. Um, He's okay. He looks all right. Um, Yeah. A lot
1: of that when it came to the Patriots was designed because we we're trying to get the ball out a little bit faster. If we can get the ball out faster, when we have a very good defensive line and defensive rush, you have a higher chance of success rather than dropping back deep. And we saw that with Mac Jones, Mac Jones for three quarters was getting the ball out in under two seconds. And everybody's wondering, where's our pass rush? Where's our pass rush? I don't care who you are. You could be Reggie White. You're not getting to the quarterback in under two seconds. It takes a bit to get there. <clears throat> Once they got them in trouble and where Mac Jones had to drop back and was doing instead of three-step drops or five-step drops, he was all the way back to seven-step drops, the pressure started affecting him because Daniil Hunter got there, there Smith got there, right? That if you reduce the time to throw – you limit the effectiveness of the defensive line. Expect them to do that again against the Jets on Sunday because the Jets have a very, very good defensive line.
0: Yeah, they do. They really do. Uh, and There's one more throw I want to talk about to kind of fin- finalize Raymond's question. Um, that was the, the deep shot to Jefferson in the fourth quarter. I believe it set up the Adam Thielen touchdown where it was a cover 2 hole shot. So um here's here's the synopsis of cover 2, all right? If you're playing cover 2 zone, your corners, they dry, line up about 5 yards behind the receiver and they sit in the flat. So and then you have your deep safeties about 15 yards back from the line of scrimmage and they're playing a half. So if you split the field in half horizontally, the hot dog style, they're going to each have a half, okay? So what what the hole shot is is in between where the corner and the safety is, there's a gap that you can hit. And it's one of the reasons why Tampa 2 got figured out because, oh, we're just going to hit the corner. We're Just hit corner routes. Just smash them all day because you can beat cover 2 with that route and just beat it consistently. So instead, they run a fade or 9 route, and Cousins just throws it perfectly. Now, if this was 1998, that's Steve Atwater. He is taking Jefferson's head off with a massive, massive hit. Well, he didn't have to do that because, well, he can't. (laughs) So Jefferson makes the catch. He gets a decent, McCordy gets a decent hit on him. And there you go. Next play, touchdown, Adam Thielen. So he, all in all, he's, he's got more confidence. He likes the scheme and he has a trust in his players and his players trust him back. When we say that this team has great vibes, what we mean is it's – think about when you were growing up and you had a team, like when you were playing youth sports, that you just – everybody got along. everybody's just having a great time. And that translates onto the field of the court. That's what this is. Everybody's having a great time. You
1: can have it in workplaces too. It's not just on the field. If you work with a bunch of great people, you get things done and create marvelous, wonderful things.
0: Yeah. If you can't one. stand
1: who people you work with, uh, then it can be a chore.
0: Mm-hmm. It's amazing, Dave, that, that we can work together because we don't we can't stand each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know I'm, I'm funny. Um, Dave, you mentioned that you were worried about the the Jets' defensive line. Let's talk yes. about that because I think the the Jets' defense is one of the best in the NFL. You, They're not identical in how they play, but they're incredibly comparable to what the the Patriots offer as far as talent and where it's located. Now, they they have some okay-ish linebackers. They have Sauce Gardner, who is arguably already a top-five cornerback in the National Football League. He was picked fourth overall. I thought it was a little too high. I thought they could have tried to get him at 10 or moved up. And I thought they should have gone in a different direction at, at four. Well, so much for what I know, because he is he has been one of the best cornerbacks in football and is one of two front runners for defensive rookie of the year, with the other being cornerback Tariq Wolin, who you all know I begged for the Vikings to take. He slid to the fifth round and went to the Seattle Seahawks. So those are like your two guys. Sauce Gardner has hasn't allowed more than two catches in a single game yet, I don't think. And he plays, he plays better in zone right now because he's still trying to figure out the little nuances of man in the NFL. Because, look, it's different in the National Football League. It just is. So, like, I, I'm very interested to see how they attack Justin Jefferson. Do they put sauce on him? Does he always get somebody over the top? Like, well,
1: They've got some good corners across the board, whether it be sauce, um... Their nickel corner is very, very good. Their other side
0: isn't bad. DJ Reed is on the other side, and he's good. Yep,
1: yep. and it's – and like I said, their nickel is very good. It's going to be interesting how they play. The weak spot on that defense is the linebackers and the safeties. Mm
0: -hmm. So,
1: which talks to me, if that's the weak spot, I'm sending guys high and low over the middle, which means most likely Jefferson – and and or Hawkinson or Thielen coming across below and you and you split the zones and whoever's open in the zone you throw the ball to and you could beat them that way. I think that should be Don, or Kevin O'Connell's game plan going into it. The guy I worry about though is this big man. Quinnen Williams. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be lined up in the middle on that defensive line. He is going to cause the interior pass pressure that the Vikings haven't seen in a while. And I worry about our interior guys uh, not having a good day. Now, this game is in Minnesota. We have an advantage when a game is in Minnesota. It's called the fans. It's the fans watching here, it's the fans watching in the stadium. They create noise. They create havoc, right? Um, they know when to be quiet for the offense. And I think that might freak the Jets out a bit. At least I hope it does. But I worry about this guy, and I hope, like last week against the Patriots, they have blocking plans made up. Last week it was adding some chip blocks on the ends, right? Right? To help the edges against the edge rushes, and the Jets have good edge rushers too. Um, but that they had it figured out you know, whether it's Ham, whether it's Dalvin Cook doing a little chip block before he, you know, goes on out and does his thing, or whatever it is, I think they're going to have it more game planned because they've seen it. And uh, but this is a guy I worry about, I, I worry about him. Uh taking Bradbury, who's having his best season of his career, and uh, I fear the whole forklift and back in the Kirk's lap, but hopefully that's not going to happen.
0: Yeah, um, Quinn Williams is an absolute monster. They have some good pass rushers. Carl Lawson coming off of that Achilles has been good. Um, Jermaine Johnson, who they traded back into the first round at the back end. Some thought he could go at four. Um, there was a lot of talk of him going high. He ended up falling, and the Jets ended up getting him and had one of the better first rounds on paper I've seen in a long time. Sauce has been great. Garrett Wilson has been as well, and something we'll talk about when the Vikings are on defense. Um, But they have those guys. John Franklin Myers has been really, really good on the other side and as more of a five-tech. And then you have Michael Clemens, the fourth-round pick. Listen, this defense, they're playing very well. Robert Sala is a defensive-minded coach. He's got Michael LaFleur running the offense. This is not your average Jets team. This is a good football team. Um, Raymond uh, mentions that he's nervous about uh, Mike White as the starting QB. I'll say that it's twofold. One, I don't think he should be too nervous because, one, now the Vikings are going to have tape on Mike White as the starter. So that that's objectively good. Um, Joe Flacco could obviously see some time. And, hell, Zach Wilson might come back. We don't know for sure yet. I don't know if that's been clarified. Um, but we're going to face some quarterback for the New York Jets. Two, Mike White is still not a great quarterback. Like, I understand Mac Jones, short week, depleted secondary, threw for a bunch of yards. But Mike White exists. That's about the best thing I can say. Like, he is not great. Um, I am more most concerned about the Vikings stopping the run. I could get five yards of carry with this run blocking and how creative the running scheme is. Look, he was a disciple of Kyle Shanahan, so you know Mike LaFleur knows how to run the football and knows how to call a running game. Now, I want to make sure that these guys are ready to fit Dalvin Tomlinson should be back, and there's going to be an incredible upgrade that we desperately need. We needed it last week, and we're getting it now. There's going to be opportunities to succeed, and they need his ability to stuff the run on early downs. Hicks and Kendricks are going to have to fit well. If they don't, you're going to see stuff go awry quickly. They can run counter. They can run zone. They can run duo. They can they can do a little bit of everything traps whams you name it they could probably get Odie to five yards of carry if he knew how to handle the football like this is a very very good rushing attack and they proved it this past week. Michael Carter does have a low ankle sprain which he may not be able to play if he's not able to play then you might be talking about James Robinson who actually was a healthy scratch last week but they' it, they're like San Francisco they don't need a guy to have a very good rushing attack. They had the guy with Brees Hall, but he tore his ACL, and he's unfortunately out for the season. Um, I am nervous about this game. Vegas is too. The Vikings are only three-point favorites. But one of the nice parts is um, we are going to see a very good football game. Let's answer a couple questions here. Um, Clifford just asked, um, have you covered any update on the injury front? Yeah. Andrew Booth Jr. did have that – whatchamacallit, um, the meniscus surgery. We're going to find out probably tomorrow uh, how long he'll be out. And then Christian Derisaw, um was not spotted on the practice field. They had a light practice today because of the short week. Um, and then Caleb Evans is still limited. Dave, you're muted.
1: According to KOC's pressure, he was, he was active as well as Caleb Evans, and we do expect Dalvin Tomlinson back as well.
0: That's good news. Very good news. Um and tiny days for next week. Yeah. I want to talk about Blake Brandell for a second. And let's let's look back at the Dallas Cowboys game because after 18 snaps, Darius um, was put in the concussion protocol for a second time, and he is mm-hmm. still currently in the protocol. When Brandell came in, they did not know what to do. They did not adjust. They did not get him help. And Micah Parsons, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, Dorrance Armstrong, they all ate his lunch. And that's understandable. Brandell is a capable backup and he is not a great player. Right. And I think that and there's nothing wrong with being a capable backup. If Brandell had like above average athleticism, he probably would have been like a second round pick because his technique, his strength, his power. They're all very good. But he's not a great mover and you can beat him with a speed rush. And Josh Uche on the one sack that the Patriots got on Kirk Cousins, pressured his outside shoulder and gave delivered a spin move with speed and Brando did not have the foot quickness to keep up and boom. But the problem was against the Cowboys, they didn't give him any help. They didn't chip. they didn't shift protections and Brandell was, for the most part, left on an island. Well, they knew they couldn't let that happen again for multiple reasons. So what did they do? They gave him help in the form of tight ends, running backs, K.J. Osborne, and Ezra Cleveland. They were sliding protections to make sure the double team happened with Brandell. They were giving chips. They were having guys stay in the block for a few seconds and delay their route. They were doing everything they could. Um, I broke it down on uh, a film room that I did for the Vikings, where right, you can go check out. And they did a very good job of making sure that they were make he, he was not the reason the Vikings were going to lose. And with a replacement-level player playing a backup role, like he's a backup. And with Derisaw out – Derisaw himself is a all-pro caliber player at this point. I'm willing to go there. And because he's that all-pro caliber player, Dave, you're not expecting him to play at that same level. You just don't want him to be a disaster. The easiest way to make sure he's not a disaster is to give him support. And that is exactly what the Vikings did. They gave him support and he played pretty dang well. Yeah, I was... When you're an offensive lineman, you just you either want to get noticed for being destructive like a Trent Williams, or you don't want to get noticed at all. And outside of the sack. I didn't notice him at all on Thursday night and I thought that was very impressive.
1: Thomas uh we're not bitching. We're just telling you how he played. He's not a he's not a superstar. He did he did have uh <laughs> times where he <clears throat> failed. That's all we're saying. Yeah. It's, it's it's what we do. There's the team is nine and two. They're not perfect. And uh, do we enjoy this season? Oh, heck yes. Is it hard on the heart? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. But it's a heck of a roller coaster. It's fun. <clears throat> it's one of those – it's looking like it's one of those absolutely special seasons. And uh, as a fan, you got to enjoy those. These are the ones that make memories. These are the ones that you watch with your kids. These are the ones that you're calling up your dad on the phone and uh, BS and, you know, all <clears throat> during the game. This is the one you give your friends heck over – when they're, you know, Packers fans, right? This yeah. is one of those seasons. But us as climbing the pocket, we're gonna tell you, hey, you know, this player is playing well, this player's not playing so well. Here's his weak points. Hopefully, we can get these fixed. Hopefully, they get addressed. A lot of this stuff we just talked about this whole show was coming off mm-hmm. the Cowboys win. Could Kevin O'Connell make the adjustments? He did. That is wonderful things. We wanna see that. But we're not we're not complaining. Hey, we're 9-2. Yeah. and two. This is, It's hard to complain about 9-2. Mm-hmm. and two. We're heading towards the playoffs, and and it very well could be, hopefully, likely, please, at the end of next Sunday, we'll have secured the NFC North. And uh, so and, uh, it's not complaining. It's not whining. We're just telling you, mm-hmm. you know, hey, if this gets better, we do even better. And we want to get yeah. better as we roll into the playoffs.
0: And I, I think that's important, Dave, because one of the things that uh, I have been very honest about is I'm never just going to be duckies and bunnies guy. I am going to tell you what I think, why I think it, and give you reasons to and behind it. And if you agree, disagree, that's fine. Let's have a conversation about it. And
1: well, you're I'm making a living speak. writing about the Minnesota yeah. Vikings, and absolutely, to, and you know you've what, you've got to be more a straight down the middle, more objective type of, of viewing it rather than just, you know, bleeding your purple heart out all, all over everything. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and mm-hmm. I've always tried to be that way too. I've, I've been a fan way too long. It's, you know, yeah. so, Hey, if we, if we can fix all this, you know, if my boy at Ingram can get up to the level of Ezra, my other boy, hey, well, we're golden, right? We're golden. Yeah. But you want yeah. to get them better and better and better. And the way to do that is to point out there were some flaws, and this is mm-hmm. how we fix it.
0: And, you know, Thomas, I'm sorry if it, if uh, you don't feel that way. And, you know, I, I just try to be honest, and I'm just going to give you my honest opinions. And if it's negative, it's negative. If it's positive, it's positive. And uh, over the course of our time doing the show – There's been plenty of negative and plenty of positive, and I have been unabashed in sharing my true feelings and opinions. And, you know, if I I hope that you can understand that and that this show will continue to be for you because we really like it. Um, And, you know, um, let's talk about this comment from X here, Dave. Um, Mm -hmm. This team is very fun but has many problems, kicking and defense to name a few. Hopefully we can sure up some of the issues down the stretch and go on a run, but we certainly aren't runaway favorite. I would agree with that. I think that's a very fair synopsis. This team is incredibly fun. There are flaws, like Football Outsiders. If you know um, DVOA, um, mm-hmm. it is a metric that was developed by Football Outsiders to use the data we currently have and predict forward. The Vikings don't sit well in DVOA. Uh, they they're setting going into record. Sunday. They were nineteenth in offense, twenty third in defense. I think seventh in special teams and that's including uh greg joseph's missed extra points all of his misses that are field goals are from 50 plus is it annoying yeah is it a big deal i don't think so you wish that you could figure out why he missed all five but. no and he's missing 50 yarders those aren't exactly they're at best yeah, 50 50 extra points are 37 yards yeah 33 Okay. So it's even worse. Um, but what I am not a technical expert as far as kicking. I wish I was. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a professional football kicker. I, I did. I thought it would, would have been so cool. My dad even built me. Um, Most money for least work. Yeah. My dad built me PBC pipe goal posts in my backyard when I was a kid. Like he built real goal posts and I spent hours kicking a football back there. Um, but what I want to know, and I. I wonder if you guys end up talking about it when you had Ryan Longwell on. He pushes everything to the right. Mm-hmm. Whenever he, whenever he kicks those extra points, it's always off to the right. He's never mm. hooking it. It always draws. Why is it always drawing? And why, knowing that this has been an issue, and this is something that he dealt with last year too—that game-winning kicking on Cardinals that he missed—he drew it right. Why? If, if I if he what's the tick. That's what I want to know. Why? Longwell why it identified it, it.
1: Longwell identified it. And uh, one, it's he he talks about rhythm, getting the rhythm. But I think if I remember correctly, and you need to go back. If you haven't seen that episode, it's a uh, Vikings Happy Hour episode where we talked to Ryan Longwell, and he talked specifically about that. And, uh, yeah, yeah g back. my dream too. More money, less work. Um, but it's, uh, I think it has to do with his follow through. He's not completely completing his follow through like he normally does. And that pushes it off to the right or his head's down or something like that. I equate it to golf, right? If your head comes up too early, the ball's going. And, uh, it's, it's something simpler, like simple like that, but it is in the long well issue we had a few weeks back. So just look in YouTube, uh, it's Vikings Happy Hour, go to our uh, Climbing a Pocket page, look down, see Longwell, put it in the search, and you'll bring it up. And he nails it, just, it's a great, great interview, but he nails that, exactly what he's doing wrong, and how to fix it. He also advocates for, we should have a kicking coach, but and I agree with that. But it's 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 some, yeah. it's really literally something simple. It's just that he's repeating that over and over again, and I think it is the, I think it has to do with his follow through. He's not going completely through on his follow through, um, which is also another golf thing. You gotta go yeah. all the way through. So it follow it's,
0: through. Keep your head down. Mm-hmm. And you know, it'd be nice if uh, Joseph would be able to fix that, but. I don't want to get too tied up in kickers um, because we have only about 10 minutes left of the show. And this, this Vikings team is primed. Now, Dave, there are two scenarios where the Vikings can clinch the NFC North this weekend. It would be the quickest that a team had ever clinched the division and five other franchises have done it. Of those five, all of them made the NFC championship game and only the 1997 San Francisco 49ers did not make the Super as Brett Favre and the Green Bay Packers beat them on the road to make it to the N- to the NFC, sorry, the Super Bowl. So here's what they need to happen. They have to win and the Lions lose their tie. Or the Vikings tie and the Lions lose. Yeah, buddy.
1: Come say t- hi to the people. I thought Green Bay had to lose as well.
0: No, nope, Green Bay already lost. Okay. I, uh, there's something with the tiebreakers. It's all about the Lions right now. Gotcha. Hey, well, that's
1: why last night I was rooting for a tie. Oh, well, you know what? In Dave? that game, it's
0: probably it's probably because the Lions beat the Packers.
1: Okay. But it's oh boy, Odie. I'm ready hi. for it. I'm ready. It'll be. It's been a long time since we've clinched this early. Mm-hmm. Say hi to the people, Odie. <laughs> there's a good boy. Dennis, the offense will keep getting better. And I believe it or not, I believe the defense will too. It's bound to when you get uh, Dalvin Tomlinson back and Caleb Bevins. And then eventually, the following week against Kitties, you get uh, Cameron Danceler back. It's got to be better. Got to yeah. be. I mean, um, I love what Duke Shelley's done, but it's Duke Shelley's backup.
0: Yeah. And Duke Shelley has been admiral, but we. C- admirable sorry not admiral that's a navy term um we can't expect it to continue it's enjoy it while it lasts it's not lasting forever and you need to still find a new solution um with andrew booth coming out i would expect that the vikings are going to sign Tay Gowan from the practice squad onto the active roster he's already been active the last two weeks and i think it's just a natural transition to bring him on to the active roster because they did the same thing with duke shelley and I would hope that they go out and try to find a veteran corner that they can put on onto the, the practice squad to give some to fortify that position just a little bit more. I'm not super concerned with corner right now. Um, I'm more concerned with the pass rush. And I think early in that game, um, I was talking to somebody really smart and it, one thing you'll know about me is I like to talk to people smarter than me when it comes to football because I learn things. Um, And what they told me was a lot of the pass rush plan was focused on Zadarius Smith. Well, they put all their efforts into stopping Zadarius Smith and then the the rest of the line just couldn't make an impact like, like you would have hoped they would. So then they, they modified it and they were able to make things work at the end of the game. Now, what I really like is the fact that they're getting Dalvin Tomlinson back and I think you need to do some more multiple stuff. And the one thing that's frustrated me most with that Donatello, I know he does not want to blitz, Dave. I know that's not anything he wants to do. But when he did it against Patriots late, it was effective. It was. So where was that adjustment earlier in the game? Why are we not trying to mix it up? Why are like This has been a consistent theme all season. The lack of adjusting when it comes to the pass rush and trying to generate it when you're not getting any. I want to see it. We're not seeing it. And honestly, Dave, that's that's the most frustrating part of this for me. I want to see growth. I want to see improvement. And I want to see adjustments. That's one of the themes of the show. That's why we talked so much about Blake Brandle. That's why we talked about the Vikings slowly figuring it out. On defense, I'm not seeing those adjustments. I want to see them. I want to see, hey, I can't get to the quarterback. Let's try something new. They're playing a lot of their same coverages. They're only rushing four guys. They're not sending five or six to try and throw the quarterback off balance. You had Mac Jones, who is objectively not a good quarterback, and he put up 382 yards and two touchdowns on you. Career best. Yeah. He had some nice throws because he had a super clean pocket. You give Christian Ponder that pocket, he can make those same throws. Like, you're talking about a quarterback. You give them a clean pocket, they'll make good throws. They need to figure out those little nuances. And that's to me, that's going to be the next step to take them to a potential Super Bowl contender. I'm not putting them as a Super Bowl contender at this moment. They're on the fringe. I think there are only two true Super Bowl contenders right now. That is the Chiefs and the Eagles. The rest have have issues, and they can get there. But I need to see more, and they need to see some improvement. The Vikings are in that second tier. Well, I, I, I'm, have, I'm having a high bar because there are probably like eight or nine teams that can, I think can get to the Super Bowl, but I don't have a lot of trust that they're going to get there just because I need to see more. Right. And we have more time. We're yes. going to have, when we go into the playoffs, there, I'm probably going to have five or six teams that I think are true Super Bowl contenders. Right now, I have two. And the Vikings are on the fringe. We still left. have
1: six games left in this season.
0: Yeah, we do. And that's that's what I'm saying. I need, I want more data. I want to see more. I want to see more growth, evolution. And I think we're going to see that. But we're not right now. And to me, that is a big thing. Let's end this show, Dave, on a couple questions. Please, uh, those of you in the YouTube and Facebook, throw your questions in the comments. I'm going to start with one from Raymond, who had a great one earlier in the episode. Um, do you think him not bringing extra people due to weak cornerbacks? Maybe, but... I would also argue that it's smarter to blitz uh, when you have uh, weaker cornerbacks. And here's why the quarterback is going to have to make a decision quicker. Therefore you're going to have, you're not going to be, you're not going to be expecting these cornerbacks to cover for more than like two seconds. And the longer you expect these cornerbacks to cover, and I think that was a lot of the issue on uh, Thursday night, and tomorrow is when I'm going to really dive in the defense of all 22. Because I thought the offensive one yesterday,
1: time to throw has a factor in it. If the quarterback's yes. doing a three-step drop and releasing the ball, I don't care what you do, you're not getting to the quarterback mm-hmm. fast enough. There's no way. Um, but if but some of those throws, at seven, Matt- if he's doing a seven-step drop and you're not getting there, then you need to you have an issue and you need to change it up and get pressure.
0: And one of the big things for me with Mac Jones, Dave, Jones had time to throw, and he found people open down the field. If you pressure him, he's not going to make those throws because he's not going to have time. And I think you can um, compensate for your uh, poor corner play, and Zimmer did this quite a bit. He had creative blitzes, and he he was – Whether you liked Zimmer or not, yeah, he had his flaws at the end. He absolutely did. Nobody's going to argue that. One of the best creative blitzing minds in the history of the National Football League. He knew how to get pressure, and he knew how to do it in a lot of different ways. And that is something I think that the Vikings are truly missing. Um, I want to see a little bit of that. And it's kind of ironic that the Vikings finally have an offensive mind who is figuring it out. but. The defense is the big question mark. With Zimmer, it was for the most part the opposite. You had questions about the offense. Hey, can they do this, that, or the other thing? The defense, until they lost a lot of their personnel in 2020, 2021, they were never an issue. Hmm. Like they were, a, they were a top 10 defense for like four years under Mike Zimmer, something that is incredibly hard Five to sustain. In
1: a row, which was unbelievable. Said it right.
0: Yeah. The Vikings, 2017. The whole catalyst of that team was they had the number one defense, the number one third down conversions, red zone. They were tremendous, borderline historic. Then they had the fifth and the ninth ranked defense the next two years, and they were still good. But now that they have the offense, kind of, I'm going to call it. I'm going to say quote unquote figured out because Kevin O'Connell done a really good job with this unit. Now they need to work on the defense. Some of it is talent. Dave, they don't have a. They don't have great talent on defense. They have some great players. When you talk about overall depth and talent, it's not all the way there. And I think that's going to continue to be a working point. They're going to continue to build that up. And I think this past draft class, Osamoa, Scene, Booth, Evans, they are the base to continuing to build In that the talent.
1: Future. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Cezi Otomewo, fifth round pick, hasn't played a snap O year, hasn't dressed for a single game. The reason he's on the roster, he is a tool shed. Like he is the kind of guy, he's He's a 13-year-old that's get gifted a Porsche. has no mm-hmm. idea how to drive it. But there's a lot there to work with, baby. And hopefully we can see growth. I wish I was TV given a team. Porsche at 13. Yeah, no shit, right? That would be tremendous.
1: It's but always one of those that's, cars that's, I the wanted. Thing.
0: that's the thing. you gotta you got to give this time, and I think that they're going to figure it out. And I have all the faith in the world, Dave, that they're going to figure it out. But with that, that is our show. Um, I'm very, very happy with where this team is, and I want to continue to see them grow. Um, Throughout the rest of the week, we're going to have some great shows. Um, Dave will give you that rundown here in a second. Make sure you catch all of my work at the Vikings Wire. Um, We have a lot of fun stuff coming down the pipeline. I am continuing to try and get creative and fun with what you're seeing because I'll tell you, I like creative content, so I try to make creative content. Stuff that I would want to read. So, continue to take a look at that. I'm going to keep you updated on all the goings of the Vikings. Dave, what are all the goings of the Climb in the Pocket YouTube and Podcasting Network?
1: Unfortunately, I have to announce that uh, Wednesday's Vikings Happy Hour has been canceled for this week. Uh, all the participants uh, had conflicting issues i think it's company christmas parties or something like that that has gotten away with that thursday however we should have our first thursday version of viking hot takes in a year hopefully flip and eric will be there to do that then of course on saturday you've got me and darren your two old bloggers and we'll be breaking down that game against the jets we'll be talking about that defense in detail, a little bit more for the Jets and how our offense can beat them and how our defense can attack that offense. I think it's going to be a... I, th- I think the Vikings can win this game. They're favored, too. I don't see why not. Let's go out and do that. I love saying Vikings win, Vikings win, Vikings win on the final score on Sunday. So, no reason not to. That's what you've got yeah. coming up on Climbing a Pocket. But between now and then, make sure you track with Vikings Wire, where Tyler does puts out article after article after article, keep it up on the news, the latest and greatest on Vikings. You can't beat it with a stick. It's there, it's in your feed. Go check it out.
0: Absolutely. And with that, we must bid you adieu and th- we thank our Our tremendous sponsors, Lake Monster Brewing and Badass Wood Art. Have yourselves a wonderful purple week. Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings. Thanks for
1: watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota
0: goal everybody